Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. Attention homeowners, due to upcoming government regulations, the current energy efficiency ratings for HVAC systems will change. Current inventory cannot be sold after December 31st. As the year 2023 starts, customers can expect to pay an average of 30% more for a new HVAC unit that will meet the new government regulations. So what does this mean for you, the customer? There's no better time to purchase a new HVAC system. AAA Heating and Air must empty their warehouse to make room for the new systems. No deals will be turned down. With their 15-year parts and labor warranty plus guaranteed financing, they have made it possible for anyone to get a new system. Call today and enjoy your new home comfort as quickly as tomorrow. But you can only get this special deal by calling 803-677-1500. AAA Heating and Air wants to give you their best deal possible on a new HVAC unit, but you have to call today. 803-677-1500. And tell them you heard about this deal on 107.5 The Game's Gamecock Central Podcast. AAA Air when you need us. AAA Heating and Air. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Fireman with Pearson Fowler. This has been in the works for a while. We're really excited to officially have the Gamecock Central Hour. Chris Clark. And JJ has accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl already, which is awesome, uh, the Reese's Senior Bowl. And Wes Mitchell. Um, I think he's well above 200 into like a 210 range. Uh, a dude in the weight room, too, like from a strength standpoint. On the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. Game. Two minutes after 11 o'clock. Welcome in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour on 107.5 The Game. Uh, Wes, would you uh, categorize yourself as a dude in the weight room, or is that just reserved for... Uh, do you remember who you were talking about in that clip? Me? Yeah. I no, think, the other Wes. I think... Uh, well, I, didn't, I didn't hear the name you said there, Pearson. Don't come at me this early. <laughs> In the show, I think I was talking about Corey Rucker uh, um, yeah. being like bigger and stronger than we thought this summer. So yeah, cool. Are you a dude in the weight room? No, no. There's a gym downstairs. We can go work out after the show if you want. Okay, okay. I did see Wes. I'm gonna call you out. I did see a clip on Instagram of you getting after it. The the biggest breaking the news bike. here is that Chris is on Instagram, not that uh, <laughs> recent. I was Tundra. working out. Um, I would give a shout out to that gym, but actually, I'm going to ask them if they want to sponsor the show. So I'm going to yeah, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Great opportunity, <laughs> as you can see, yeah. for a brand placement. Yeah, exactly. I need to see that. I need to get back on Instagram. Just to, Chris finally just to, got on Instagram. Just to cop Wes's workouts. Yeah. You should. I will. Um, you look like you're about to say something. I have nothing to say. Okay, I'm here for this. <laughs> He's just laughing at all of us. So he could bench press all three of us probably <laughs> yeah. that's at fun. the same time yeah no yeah that's, that's <laughs> what I meant. um all right so uh, we have a couple of poll questions today wes you threw out a poll question last night you got my poll approval on it and i gave you i gave you the stamp i guess okay, i'm the good, poll good, question good. guy is that is that what that is yeah well I, I don't normally do polls and i was like is this stupid is this a cool idea is this is this i was just curious yeah so i was like maybe that polls. is a poll 
Yeah. It was always full. You want me to go now? Okay. Um, when does college football season officially start for you? And the answers, the options here are week zero, which is this week. Week one, September 3rd, next week, when most of the college football world kicks off. Or third, whenever my team kicks off. Whenever my team plays, that's when the season starts. Any initial thoughts, Room? Um, I imagine the major, a slight majority of people are voting for when my team plays. Incorrect. Really? Okay. I, I, I would have thought the same. Yeah. Week one won the poll with 39%. It's actually relatively close. 39% said week one. 30% said whenever my team plays. Um, and wow, actually, 31% said week zero. So whenever my team plays came in last hmm. by hmm. one percentage point. Preston? The week zero and the when my team plays people are all slobs, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because you're a slob if any f- college football will do. Like if you're just going to watch this Vandy, Notre, uh, Vandy Hawaii. and Hawaii game, then you have you have problems. Yeah. But also, if you're only going to watch your team play, then you're not as invested. Yeah. You're not a football fan. You're just a fan of that team. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where but, – but my answer is I won't watch any college football until – kickoff against Georgia State. Really? That'll be my first. Really? No, yeah. no Idaho State UNLV. <laughs> no, nah, I don't think so. Don't think I'll be tuned in for that one. That's really interesting. So you're not doing like game day into whatever the noon kick on ESPN is? Into... I'll probably do game day, but then I'll, I'll turn away till we play. Now, is that is that like a, is this like a, uh, like a Buddhist thing? Like you're just denying yourself? No, it's not, the game no it's, it's not that. I just... This want my first football experience to be the game cause. Okay. So it kinda is. Denying yourself. Is, as, as You're like, is. no, no. But maybe I'm it not is. <laughs> I'm not I want this to be fresh and new. Yes. That does kind of build it up a little bit more, yes. I think. I can see I, that. Kind of a mystical approach. Yeah. I like it. I, I respect that because I um I won't wait until South Carolina kicks off, but I will. Like, I probably won't watch a game this weekend. And I was like, it's like you love college football. You've been waiting all year. Why Why would I not have a game on? And it's something to me. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'd also like kind of the, what, what would you call it? Like the pomp and circumstance, like the build up, the excitement of like, this is the kickoff. I want to I tune in the game day on September 3rd. And them be like, welcome back. Mm. You have waited all year long, and it's here. It's back. I don't want to tune in for Hawaii and Vandy and it to be like, you know, people I've never really heard of playing, and it's not on the main channels or it's not the main announcers. No offense to whoever's announcing that game, but I want to like tune. I want to wake up. I want to wake up on that Saturday and be like, it's here. It's game day. So I. I'm I'm like in the same mindset as you. I'm not going to wait necessarily until South Carolina's game. I like sort of the appetizer games leading up, but knowing that I'm going to be watching the South Carolina game that night is uh like that that as an adult is my waking up on Christmas feeling. Like this is this is the day. I don't really get that for this weekend. 
Very, so very I, romantic approach. Yes, yeah, so I, I probably won't watch. So we have the romantic, the mystic. Now, now let me let me throw let me throw it in though. So it's kind of like, did y'all open a present the night before Christmas? No. Did y'all get like one? No, no. Okay, I wouldn't even want to. So, so you kind of took their approach. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, let me tell. You, I, I don't I don't understand why y'all aren't fired up by UConn and Utah State, <laughs> but on Thursday, this Thursday. Thursday, September 1st. Oh, okay. Okay. Next Thursday. Thursday, September 1st. There are some games that you might go, huh? Maybe, like, you might be tempted. I can go Thursday night appetizer. I mean, that was Carolina for for a lot of the football world for several years. That's the one gift on Christmas Eve type of thing. So, you got, like, you've got West Virginia at Pitt, who's ranked. Okay. You've You've got Oklahoma State playing now Central Michigan, but they're ranked. So you've got. Won't a few, be watching that. You don't. You don't. It's not Duquesne, Florida State. Well, hang on, but know? and uh, like intrigue around here too for this weekend because who's Northwestern playing in Ireland? Northwestern is playing Nebraska. Nebraska. That's that, right. that's Ryan Helinski. Yeah, as a starter at Northwestern. I, I, I am a little intrigued by Nebraska. That's like, this weekend just to watch them. Yes, that is twelve thirty. I assume that's Eastern yeah. on Fox. I hope. Yeah, even, even still. Well, I mean, the Vanderbilt game doesn't kick off till like ten because it's in Hawaii. So let me let me. Uh, y'all know I love analogies. So how about this? So game day and the other games, the the week of college football before your team, whatever your team is, Carolina, Clemson, SC State, whoever it is, plays. That's a that's a nice appetizer. You go out to dinner, you get a little appetizer, a little amuse amuse bouche, a little cocktail, sets you up nicely for the meal. I can't be the only one here that has made this mistake though. Where, just to give you an example, like a couple weeks ago, my wife and I go drop our girls off at my parents' house. They were going to watch them for the night. And I'm just sitting there talking to my family, and I'm eating snacks, because that's what I do. Little chips and salsa, little pimento cheese, whatever. Not really an appetizer. I'm just eating mindlessly. And then I go to dinner, and it's like, I'm not as hungry for the appetizer. And it's not like setting me up for success at dinner. Like, week zero, first of all, whoever coined week zero needs to be drawn and quartered. That's the stupidest <laughs> idea I've ever heard. Secondly, week zero is the eating snacks before you go to dinner, and it lessens the, the impact of your appetizers and your dinner. And, and and you're also eating, like you mentioned good snacks, though. You had pimento cheese on there and chips yeah, and salt. Those are good. Yeah. This is the, um, I don't know, off-brand well, that, off sour cream and onion chips. Yes, off-brand sour cream and onion. And you're like, why am I eating this? Maybe there's a uh, maybe there's like a random grocery store sugar cookie, just like like ah, this is in front of me. Or it's uh, like, or it's like the like the bad, like not the uh, well, we won't mention that grocery store either. <laughs> it's it's like the bad grocery store deli, like sandwich instead of firehouse subs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been okay. sitting there for. For a while, for a while, I've been sitting out, kind of lukewarm. So you I feel like we're I'm all kind about, of right? in agreement on this, though. It, from yeah. a from a different, it's not exactly the same, but we're yeah. all sort of in the same headspace. Yeah. I think. I do or, think. Or, the, I do think the week zero or whatever we're calling it, Saturday, August twenty seventh. I do think that poo poo platter of games waters down the advent of college football season. Yeah. But will you catch me watching a stray Florida A and M against North Carolina? Probably. Probably just for, for a little know. bit. It's, it's it's just a false start to me. No, five yard penalty. Mm-hmm. Play the games that everybody else does. The Thursday is okay because that Friday kind of feels like a national holiday anyway. 
It's like kickstarting your weekend, maybe. But that's why that Thursday game used to be so cool for us because I could watch our game, get it out the way, and then really enjoy the start of college yeah. football season without the stress of yeah having to figure out what we were going to do. So I used to really enjoy that. Well, here's the follow-up I now have for you, and this is important. Will it be difficult for you to not watch the other football on TV before South Carolina and Georgia State kickoff? It, it might be, it, at, at best, it'll be background noise. Okay. Or, you know, I, it'll just be kind of like flipping by. But no, it won't be too difficult. You, so you're not going to have to, like, find something to do to distract yourself? No, I'll be fine. Okay. I'll be all right. Okay. So it's not as much a, it's not as much like self-denial as I was thinking. This isn't as much of like a Buddha thing. We don't have to go all into this because it's, it's kind of off to the side, but do y'all prefer the South Carolina night game, basically, where your day kind of leads up to that? Or do y'all prefer the, you know, noon game, knock this out, and then you watch whatever, like, the big, big game is for that, that weekend at night? Uh, it's kind of like a more casual viewing experience. I like getting it over with. <laughs> yeah. Whether it's pain or pleasure, let's 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 yeah. get because if it's painful, then you can just whatever, flush it and watch some other football, cleanse your palate. And if it's pleasurable, then all the other games are are great too. Mm-hmm. So I, I kinda like getting it over with. I'm just disappointed, for example, I don't get to watch Georgia and Oregon because I'm gonna be at the Georgia State game. It's like one of the like going to games is great because you can pick up on a little bit more than you see on the T V. But I really don't like having to miss other important games. So I, I think 12 is great. 3.30 is tough, too, because then you miss, like, going to the game, you miss, like, the second half of the early games and the first half of the night games. It's, like, probably the best time slot and the worst time, at least for me, in the way that I like to consume football. Yep, I'm totally with you. on the Like, the 3.30 is cool. But, well, it used to be cool when the SEC on, the C, on CBS, yeah. the R. music R. and Uncle Vern and all that. Yeah. But totally with you. I, I don't like that sandwich of... Here's this good noon game. Now, now I've got to leave, and then when I get back to wherever, I'm gonna have missed that game too. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a bummer. Well, at, at night, you tend to miss a lot of good games, though. So. Yeah, I know. It's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Noon so, games. Not to mention no. brunch, tailgates, little breakfast casserole, mimosa, sausage biscuits, whatever. Brunch, tailgates, really underrated. I think. Yeah, I. It kind of depends on my mood, I guess. Um, I, I do like when it's just not the same. Like, I, I kind of like when, all right, you know, I'm cool with Arkansas being a noon road game. I, I don't travel to the road game, so, I, I mean, I'm going to enjoy that Saturday just as much as any other because I'm going to watch South Carolina. I'm going to be in sort of work mode but, like, dialed in on everything. But then I'm going to get that out of the way. Mm-hmm. By the time that night game's on, I'm going to be sitting back, probably have some friends over. Like, it's going to be a fan experience for me at that point. Um, so, I... I'm. I think the the noon, noon road games, early road games. I'm I'm all for. Um, I love the experience at Williams Bryce at night in person, and I think like Georgia State with the new the new lights, new LED stuff. Like the experience is is still really fun, even yeah. if you're not in that like fan mode. So, I and it's so freaking hot in Columbia this time of year. Like not to, not to go on to that, but I'm I'm down for the home. Night games. Matt Austin said that Williams Bryce is the loudest stadium in the SEC. That was cool. Uh, Shout he, out he to was, Alyssa Lang too, by the way. On with Alyssa Lang, who's a South Carolina alumnus, and also Matt Austin had like one of the most famously horrendous calls 
that that big holding against uh, Israel Mukwamu, the home game after Carolina upset Georgia. Remember, there's that long run, and, and Mukwamu was being held from the 50 yard line into the end zone. And Matt Austin's like, I don't know, looks like a looks like a clean block to me. Yeah, the, and the one where they the, ran the little start. The, well, the false start. I mean, every, like I remember being in the stadium and I saw the false start, and I just kind of looked at what you know. Just kind of sit back. Okay, false started. You know, mm-hmm. don't don't need to dial in for this play. Yeah, yeah. And then it just kept going. Yeah. My like, other's oh, touchdown. And then they had the one. <laughs> they had the pick play. Oh uh, yeah. Where you know everybody runs pick play, and you could call pass in. But this is just like I mean, he's literally blocking the guy. He grabs him. He's driving his feet. That's a rub play if you're an offensive coach. Yeah, right. It's a pick yeah. play if you're yeah. a defense. Yeah. The point coach. is, Matt Austin also <laughs> has a blocking a, play. That's a, a run play. Reason to think that. Williams Bryce is loud because I think he's a particularly reviled character in Columbia. But yeah, it was probably it was loud that day. Yeah, absolutely, he he could hear it from his. What do they put him in the control center or whatever yeah, they call it? I guess so. Probably like wild. They're doing very loud. Charlotte, maybe. <laughs> uh, anyway, eight zero three four zero four sixty one hundred. If you guys have any thoughts on Wes's poll, would love to hear from you in the text line or the Love Chevy phone line. You can get us all on Twitter as well at Pearson Fowler at Wes Mitchell GC at Coach P tweets at GC Chris Clark. I've got a poll as well finalizing our. Schedule breakdown, I guess, poll series here. Wondering what you think Carolina's record will be in the final three games. So we'll give you some updated poll results on that and get Wes and Chris's thoughts. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. 1122 on a Tuesday morning. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour here on 107.5 The Game. Pearson Fowler, Preston Thorne, Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell here with you in the Herndon Chevy Studios. Shane Beamer's first Tuesday press conference is this afternoon. That's kind of a marker for the start of football season, right? First weekly press conference. And I guess a week early so they can get all the all the kinks out by next week when it's actually game week. It's a week early. Got the first uh, Carolina calls coming up right, right. this week. Six. I believe Thursday six o'clock. Yep, earlier now. Yep. Um, well, they they didn't have a press conference after the scrimmage on Saturday as well. So this is oh yeah from that. Yeah, I think Carolina calls first edition is is an appetizer, big time. Nice little amuse bouche. I love that word. Signals. <laughs> that is a good one. Um, I said SEC media days for whatever it's worth on Wes's poll. As when the season starts. Yeah. Do we have an option for the grind nonstop? <laughs> That's kind of true. No days off. No we days have? off. Yeah, I, sh- I should have thrown that one in there. I'm not a, uh, I'm not a poll maker like Pearson over here. It was, a, a, it was an of, amateur effort. I was like, I'm kind of a craftsman when it comes to the polls. Um, but I, there is something about SEC media days where it's like, okay, we're going to lead every show with football until the end of the year now. There's still enough like basketball, baseball. Here's like a random other national news note. It's like, no, no, no. From July 14th on, our A1 topic, top of the 9 o'clock hour every day is going to be college football. And that's a that's a nice thing. Um, all right, so here's the other poll question for today. You can keep voting on this at Pearson Fowler between now and the end of the show. What will Carolina's record be in the final quarter of its season at Florida versus Tennessee at Clemson? You have four options, of course. 0 and 3, 1 and 2, 2 and 1, 3 and 0. Seven percent of people so far say 0 and 3. Eleven percent say 3 and 0. 
39% say one and two, and 43% of people have voted for two and one. Based on the previous three polls that we've run in the last <clears> three Tuesdays, the populace has Carolina at seven and two going into this stretch. If the populace wins out here, that puts Carolina at nine and three. The populace is uh, excited. Yes, absolutely. Um, I've already done my, my bit on this. I want to hear your thoughts. You looked at me first. Does that mean I'm going first? Man. I'm not stalling, but I do want to give a little bit of context. I think, like, the demise of Florida in people's minds, I don't know if we should be that extreme about it. You know, they, they have some questions. Um, Anthony Richardson's a freak, right? <clears throat> but do we know exactly what he is? No. Um, they got some questions at receiver, just some other other spots on the roster. It is an away game at the Swamp, mm. and it's still a team that has a lot of talent. So the reports of their demise, probably a little premature, exaggerated. And Billy Napier's probably a really <laughs> good coach. Yeah. They'll be ready. Tennessee is going to have a very explosive offense, and South Carolina obviously struggled mightily with them last year in Knoxville. Um it is a home game. I think if you're ranking them, I go in order of winability, I go Tennessee, Florida, Clemson. Hmm. Um, common denominator there is the Tennessee is at home, you know. Yeah. Um, I would be kind of more inclined in my gut to say one and two. Mm-hmm. But I could I could see a two and one. Um I don't, you know, right now, sitting right here, you don't pick them to win a road game at Clemson, I don't think. <laughs> I think that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> that might be where you start every other prediction for the entire rest of the season. That's what you, you start know, with. The other ones. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. A split is very reasonable to me, hmm. but you know, I, I, I think I think by the time we get to Saturday, November twelfth, which is that first game against Florida, may have a different opinion, may be the same. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot we don't know about really about all the all those teams. Mm-hmm. There's not one where you're like, this is exactly who they are. Yeah, I think interestingly of those three, the one that I feel like, I feel like what Florida is and what Clemson is by the end of the season is less settled in my mind than what Tennessee is. I think I know what yeah. Tennessee is going to be. I think they're going to be a high-octane offense. Oh, yeah. I think they're going to give up a lot of points. I think they're going to win and lose a lot of close games in the 40s. If Anthony Richardson's a first-round draft guy, Florida's going to be really good. If he's not, not that Florida's not going to be that good. And if Clemson can't get the quarterback situation figured out, they're still going to be amazing defensively. But you know, there, there's a there's a wide range for what I feel like Florida and Clemson could do this year. I feel like Tennessee's potential outcomes are a little narrower. I agree with that, and and I think Wes brought up this point, I think, last year, in that Tennessee's offense, if you don't play well or offer much resistance, they will put 40 or 50 on you in a hurry, and South Carolina learned that last year. Um, they're also probably going to have some games where they just completely, what are they doing? <laughs> you know, like, they're just a three-and-out machine, and I think you could see that, but... They have some weapons with Hooker, those wide receivers. The, the actual offensive style is obviously very hard to play against. 
Um, but I, I agree with you. They're, they're kind of identity. But, you know, you look at Clemson, they played about as poorly as possible in that game last year against South Carolina at quarterback and won 30 to nothing because South Carolina couldn't stop the run and could not move the football. So, you know, I, I think you figure on, you know, maybe for Clemson, them playing better at quarterback this year for South Carolina, them playing better defensively and being able to move the ball some. We're getting hmm. way ahead of ourselves in that one. But but to me, that's still that's still the most difficult game in that stretch and probably, you know, top two, top three on the schedule overall. So you go one and two? Yeah, I think if I had to pick, that's what I would do. Preston? Okay. Is a, do it. It's a safe space. Is this a safe space? Is this a safe space? I made the same call earlier, if I know what you're thinking. I wouldn't be as disappointed if they went 0-3 during this stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, I am probably higher on Billy Napier in Florida. Billy Napier, period. Not in Florida, but Billy Napier as a coach. Uh, I think he's going to do really great things. Um, I think he's a great, great coach. As Chris said... We may be greatly overestimating how much that Florida team was quitting last year when we beat them, which is fine. It's not our fault. You play who you play who's in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, but just taking taking those three teams into effect, if I had to pick the game that I think we could win, it's the Tennessee game, in my opinion, for the fact that maybe we catch them on one of the nights when that when the offense isn't. And quite insane. That's the thing about those types of offices. They can become really frustrating for a defense when they're going three and out. You know, they take 30 seconds to go three and out because they're trying to run tempo or something like that. Mm-hmm. That That's a very real possibility. So, uh, yeah, I hate to say it, but I could see uh 0-3 outcome during that stretch. And I don't think that would be that disappointing. Yeah. Uh, I want to come back to yours, Wes, because we do need to hit a break. But let me just set this up as just sort of the popular refrain. If the voting body has Carolina at 7-2, and two, I asked you last last week, Preston, does it feel like at any point in the season Carolina will be 7-2? and two? That just doesn't really pass the smell test, even if that's not real logic. It's like, that's not a 7-2 and two team. But if you tell me they're 7-2 and two, and they go 0-3 in this final stretch, that's still a 7-5 and five team, which is, I think, where people are hoping and expecting that Carolina maybe lands when all said and done. Ending the season on a three-game losing streak. I mean, you arrive at you can arrive at seven and five in a lot of different ways. I think that would be an unsatisfactory way for the fan base. But after saying they don't feel like a seven and two team, maybe sitting here thinking zero oh, and three is very realistic in this final stretch, and thinking Carolina finishes seven and five, I'm like, maybe that's right. Maybe that's right. 803-404-6100. Want to hear from you guys? Keep voting on the poll at Pearson Fowler and get everybody else in here on Twitter too at GC Chris Clark at Coach B Tweets at Wes Mitchell GC. We'll get to a few of your more a uh, few more of your thoughts and we'll get Wes's take on what Carolina's record will be in their final three games next. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. 11.37, Tuesday morning, and welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour here on 107.5 The Game. Pearson Fowler, Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark here with you in the Herndon Chevy Studios talking about the poll question it's a Tuesday, which means it's a schedule-related poll question in the final quarter 
of the Gamecocks schedule is the subject of debate today. What will the Gamecocks record be in the final quarter of its season at Florida versus Tennessee at Clemson? Um, let's see. Got a text here from Michael, uh, who is a Florida fan, but says South Carolina finishes one and two in their final three games, loses to Clemson in Florida, beats Tennessee. Kent says one and two, although would prefer two and one. Um, yeah. So Tennessee, Chris says the likeliest win. Preston said is the likeliest win. A couple of you texting and thinking that's the one. Tennessee has scored 117 points in the last three games against South Carolina. That is a lot. I think it's fair to expect Carolina's offense to be improved this year, yes. But, mm-hmm. I mean, the last two times, the, the last two trips to Neyland, it wouldn't have mattered how many points Carolina scored in those games because Tennessee just didn't stop scoring until they wanted to. Wes, are you buying Tennessee as still the likeliest win of those three? Yeah, I mean, I I would go one and two, but also, I mean, I'll be honest, like if I always look at these things like, all right, you're probably going back and forth between two records and – I would be going back and forth between one and two and zero oh and three, not between mm-hmm. two and one and one and two. Yeah. Um, you know, being realistic on that, I think. You know, I think South Carolina on paper could split Florida and and Tennessee. Um, hard to say which one they actually win in that scenario, but yeah, Clemson tough on the road. Clemson's going to be so good defensively that I I think against most teams, man. Like yeah, they got to figure out quarterback if they're going to get back into that like you know, win the national title kind of scenario. But against most teams, Clemson's defense is going to be um, over the top and, and probably a good bit better than they were even last year. So, you know, I, I look at that. It's going to be tough to win. Tennessee, I do think that's a big swing for South Carolina that it's at home. Um, you know, if you're looking at the last three, obviously the last three games for South Carolina against Tennessee, two of them would have been in Neyland. I think they held them down. A little bit more last time they played at Williams-Price, even though, I mean, it's really... It was 31-27, and they could have had an opportunity to win it had the ball not bounced off Cam Smith's leg. Yeah, and and different Tennessee staff, different South Carolina staff, different approaches. I mean, really, really hard to put much uh, of a valuable comparison there at all. But, yeah, I I think that is probably the winningest, most likely win for South Carolina, I should say. But really, that's, I mean, that, that really feels like what they used to call like the orange crush, like back in the yeah. day when South Carolina would play um, the three big, uh, you know, opponents with the two from the east and then Clemson there at the end. And, you know, we'll see. The other part of that, though, is if the fan poll proves to be correct and the majority wins, you do roll into those games with a ton of momentum mm-hmm. if you're South Carolina. And, you know, I, I had to go check the order. Uh, I think it's Florida first, then Tennessee, then Clemson. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd almost rather go ahead and play Tennessee at home, like riding the momentum. But yeah. still, uh, you know, I think that sets up pretty well for for that. If you're even if you lose a close game to Florida, coming back home, final home game, um, opportunity for the fans to get back out there and experience this team that in our scenario, in our world, we've built here. Mm-hmm. is having a really good season, mm-hmm. uh, sets up good for a great atmosphere for Tennessee to have to come into. And I think that can affect those offenses um, at, at times. That Florida game feels like it's been so unbelievably important for both of those schools in recent years. Not only Carolina yes. ending. Yeah. I mean, Carolina ending the tenure of a couple Florida head coaches in those games. You think about South Carolina trying to rescue its season a couple of years ago after the upset against Georgia. 
we already referenced it once because we were talking about Matt Austin, but that was and being a, right there. That was a top 25 Florida team. Carolina had a lead going into the fourth quarter. Florida pulls away. I, I think a, a, other people, I guess it was maybe two years prior, will maybe even point to the down. This, this to me, stands out in my mind is still like maybe the start of the downfall of the Will Muschamp era was another time when Carolina had a lead on Florida down in Gainesville, and South Carolina just could not stop the run. Their fourth quarter lead evaporated. Florida got the win, and the wheels kind of fell off from there for South Carolina. So it feels like those games, more often than not in recent years, have been hugely important for the trajectory of both programs. Yeah, I mean, you look at, I mean, just the one last year for both teams. I mean, South Carolina, obviously they would go on, you know, you look like the Florida game happened, and then Clemson happened, and those are two, you know, you had kind of the joy and then the misery of those things for Carolina fans. But the Florida game was obviously a huge one because it not only was kind of a cathartic win for Carolina, given some of those things that you referenced, Pearson, that some of the gut punch losses that they'd had to Florida, mm-hmm. having a lead a couple different years and then blowing it, they were able to grab the lead, weather, weather the storm early, grab the lead, and really just finish Florida, a reeling Florida team off. Mm-hmm. And that was... They had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, they, I mean, they had, they had a lot of fun with it. For Florida, it the wheels, you know, were coming off, and after that game, the entire axle off mm-hmm. of the whatever vehicle they had. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was an important one for Carolina, not only because, you know, of the that good feeling, but it also obviously gave them a win that put them on the path to bowl eligibility. Yeah. And it gave them little chomp. Little chomp. Yeah. Uh, that he was, was a probably one. sitting on uh, Jabari Ellis's, I'm sure, uh, mantle right now. Maybe. Oh, I forgot about that. You got the, jo- the Josh Van social media video. <laughs> oh, still one of my all time favorites. That was funny. Yeah, that was a good one. All right, so we're kind of vacillating between one and two and zero oh and three. Looks that way. Yep. Okay. Uh, well, so far, those of you that have voted have mostly voted two and one. That's forty two percent of you. 39% say 1 and 2. There's 10 minutes left to vote, so you can still swing it here. We'll give you some final poll results right at the end of the show at Pearson Fowler, where you can keep voting what you think the Gamecocks record will be in those final three games, and that is in order, at Florida, then at Tennessee, then at Clemson to close things out. At Pearson Fowler, 803-404-6100. Uh, elsewhere today, we've been finishing up our position group breakdown. Uh, the last position group we have to talk about on the offense, and that is the tight ends. We talked about Jaheim Bell a lot yesterday as part of the wide receiver group, but we'll dig into that room specifically and what the upside is for Carolina. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. 11.49, Tuesday morning, wrapping things up here on the Gamecock Central Hour. Pearson Fowler, Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark here with you. Shane Beamer press conference and just about an hour and 40 minutes. South Carolina practicing now. There will also be some media availability for players at the conclusion of today's practice. Uh, first Tuesday press conference. This is exciting. To answer Wes's earlier poll, today is when football season starts. So we're going to have a Shane Beamer Tuesday press conference. That's what it feels like anyway. Uh, okay, so also today we are wrapping up our offensive position group breakdowns. We'll have defensive line, linebacker, and defensive back the next three days. We've got to talk about the tight ends. Talked about Jaheim Bell yesterday because he's a wide receiver. And you have Austin Stogner. Then you have Trey Kenyon. Anybody else, before we dig into those guys, that seems like kind of the depth chart, understanding that a lot of times there's going to be two of those guys on the field at the same time. Um, did you say Atkins? 
Oh, and Nate Atkins. I, I've been forgetting about Nate Atkins. So where does he fit into the current tight end room? I think Nate Atkins is going to be the guy that um, sneakily has an impact this year. And, you know, it, it may not be like a headline type impact, but it may be like if you're a fan who's like really just likes to dive in and pay attention to, to every little thing, he's going to have some moments, I, I think, because he's he's that combination tight end. He played offensive line in high school, so he can block. He's technically sound as far as that goes. He's got some size to him. He's not going to profile as, like, athletic as maybe certainly, you know, a Jaheim Bell or a Stogner. Hmm. But he also has good hands and ball skills. So those are the guys maybe throw a scenario at you, your third and one, your goal line. Maybe you put an extra tight end on the field. Everybody thinks you're running. And then you go play action, bootleg. The guy gets open because everybody's selling out for the run, and he can make plays on the ball. So I, I think, I'll say it like this, I think there's a role for Nate Atkins. I think which tight ends are on the field a lot of times will be determined sort of by what, what you're trying to do in that, you know, down and distance in that scenario as far as gameplay goes, uh, game flow goes, stuff like that. So I, I think to me, I look at, I look at him and, and Trey Kenyon as, as also maybe being able to do some some similar things within the offense at, at that position. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I've been trying in my head to think about a formation where you can get four tight ends on the field at a time. I know this has been a joke in years past, but you could really have like roll out there with 14 personnel. You're talking like maybe you're like ace twins. So you got Trey Kenyon and Nate Adkins on the line. Jaheim Bell split out wide. Austin Stogner in the slot. This is now all I want to see this year. Fourteen well, personnel. I was wanting five tight ends last year. Yeah. Because I was just going to put Jaheim at, at running back. Uh, and then so personnel-wise, you you actually quite literally could do it. Yeah. So you have Jaheim as a wide receiver. You have Austin Stogner, who I consider to be a modern tight end, where he's going to do both of those things. Sounds like Adkins fitting that role a little bit, even if he doesn't have like the ability in the open field that maybe Stogner does. And then Trey Kenyon, to me, feels like a little bit more of an old-school tight end. But he, everyone, uh, it was it was fun watching Trey Jones play fullback last year. But And I charted it for one or two of the games last year. I don't have it anymore. But, like, most of the time that Trey Jones was in the formation, Trey Kenyon was in there as a true blocking tight end for South Carolina. He unlocked a lot for the Gamecocks down the stretch. I don't know if the acquisitions of Stogner and Adkins reduced his playing time, but I thought he ended up being valuable for Carolina down the stretch. He, he was. Uh... Some of South Carolina's greatest successes when they finally, you know, when they figured out some things in the run game at times down the stretch last year were with two tight ends on the field. You know, when you had Nick Muse and Trey Kenyon out there and they would utilize them really basically as lead blockers on the perimeter for for some of the wider running plays. Um, and so obviously no Muse now, but you've got a guy in Stogner that can take that role or Trey Kenyon can kind of take the Nick Muse role. So they do have a lot of interesting, you know, body types and skill sets there. Trey Kenyon can certainly catch the ball. I remember Wes and I saw him in camp when he was coming out of high school, and that was kind of – you didn't think of him as a blocker. You're like, this is a pass catcher, hmm. but he's he's really grown in the area of blocking, and so I think he's going to be a valuable asset there. Nate Atkins, I think just because you kind of look at him from a size standpoint, he's an offensive line coach's son. 
You know, so you just kind of go, all right, this kid's a blocker. That's probably true. I think he's going to help him a lot as a blocker. He's very savvy. He's very experienced, but he does have soft hands. And so he's not going to be, like you said, Jaheim in the open field. He's not going to probably be the threat that Stogner is in one-on-one matchups. But watch him run around practice. He can catch the football. And I think he had seventy over 70 catches during his career hmm. at East Tennessee. So he can catch the football, too. So yesterday I was wondering, you know, basically how many wide receivers are going to get an opportunity knowing that Carolina was going to have a lot of tight ends on the field. Now I'm even, I mean, it, I'm not really suggesting that Carolina runs a lot of 14 personnel, but is it, does Carolina have a better chance of improving its offense by leaning into the strengths of these tight ends or leaning into the strengths of the wide receivers? You made a good point yesterday, Wes, about guys not necessarily competing within their room, but rooms competing against each other. Mm-hmm. You can make a case that a lot of these guys are going to deserve playing time and have an opportunity to help this offense. That's going to be at the expense of some wide receivers. Yeah, and I, I don't think they're going to lean into, you know, three tight end sets. I, I think if you, and some of it's going to depend on how you, like, count it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, of course, with Jaheim Bell. I, I think there will be quite a bit of two tight end that even if, like, if you weren't familiar with South Carolina's personnel, you might look out there and you might say, oh, that's three wide. Mm-hmm. But personnel-wise, yeah. counting Jaheim Bell as a tight end on your roster, yeah. it's uh, it's two tight ends. Like Travis so, Kelsey. Yeah, you know, so I, I think, uh, you know, yeah, two tight ends. Uh, you know, I, I think Jaheim Bell will line up all over the place, which will kind of skew those numbers a bit um, as far as what it actually looks like from a traditional standpoint. But... Um, some of that's going to be matchups week to week. Some of that will obviously be down in distance. I think what the versatility of that room allows you to do, though, is put yourself in a good position on some of those specific scenarios. Like I said, third and one, you know, goal line situation, fourth and one. You know, I I still love, and I assume the Trey Jones um, wrinkle is still in, in there for this year. Yeah, You know, you could maybe... You could do some really fun things with Trey Jones as a tight end or as a fullback with those, some of those other guys also being on the field. You yeah, know? I mean, so you, I, you can you can run like a goal line formation with Austin Stogner, Trey Kenyon, and Nate Adkins, Trey Jones as your fullback, and Jaheim Bell as your running back. Yeah, like are, the biggest formation in the history of football. I um, I would seriously consider directly snapping the ball to Jaheim Bell with some of those guys in front of him. Uh, at some point this season in yep. a in a goal line situation like i uh, i think there's a lot of fun stuff and and i think the guys the guys kind of enjoy that stuff too you know it, it gives you a little extra little extra juice a little extra fun in practice when it's like oh wait we're doing this yeah. like th- this is cool offensive linemen love that stuff mm-hmm. i feel like especially these guys which i mean the guys up front seem like they're maulers if anything um we have a little less than a minute left so we'll go quickly on this is the tight end room top to bottom the best and deepest group on the offense. Ooh. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. The fact that we had to hesitate is a good sign. I, I think. think you have the most proven commodities there. Okay. You may have two of the top 10 to 15 tight ends in the country in your room. Yeah. It's pretty good. That's really good. And then one of your backups is. What Trey's a junior can't keep and track your, your of it. backups are good players. They just yeah, don't have like player. national type notoriety. Yeah. Yeah. 